Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. The latter is our topic for this episode. Sat down with my friend Ed Justice Jr. in September of 2018 to speak about the upcoming release of a brand new book that he co-authored with Tom Madigan titled Legacy of Justice, An American Family Story. The book is out now. It is awesome, truly awesome. And that's not a plug. That is coming from someone who, if you've listened to the show for a little bit or just know me in general, you realize that motor racing books, uh, I don't really drink alcohol. I don't do drugs, but I will admit to having an absolute problem when it comes to purchasing far too many motor racing books. I have six bookshelves in my office. They are all at least six feet tall and about three feet wide. And as someone who just has had a seeming lifelong passion for really high quality motor racing books, this is one I've been looking forward to for quite some time, knowing that the Justice Brothers as a brand and the Justice family have been so deeply entrenched in motor racing for many decades, far before I was born at Indianapolis, on the beaches at Daytona, uh, dirt track racing, sports car racing, you name it. The Justice Brothers as a brand, as a family, as sponsors, as racers, they've been around forever. And so I was really happy when Ed told me, I don't know, one or two, however many years ago, that they were putting together this Legacy of Justice book. So I wanted to sit down with him, again, prior to its release, at least back in September of 2018, to find out more about it. So I think you will enjoy the conversation here, 25 or so minutes, and get into some pretty cool tales. One thing that he mentions, and it is certainly true, Ed is also a phenomenal photographer. He's been shooting for most of his life, as have I. And between his photos and just unbelievable archives of photos of the Justice Brothers and their involvement in the sport, this book is so rich with imagery. It's just wall to wall. And so, again, great text, great words, great story, tells you everything about their background, uh, but definitely something where the images just truly take it to a very special place. If you enjoy such things, or you just like fun conversations about uh, a racing family like the Justice family, then hopefully you will enjoy what we have here, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. So let's start with the concept for the book. Who uh, who thought of it? Who should we blame, first of all? Well, you know, Marshall, I, I have been approached, and my dad and uncles were approached many times over the years to do a book. And for a lot of different reasons, it just never happened. Uh, I uh, sort of addressed this in the beginning of the book. For me, I didn't feel when it became my turn to say whether a book was going to be done that it should be done until I was of a certain age. Sure. Okay. I, I'm not a big fan of the uh, life story books at 30 years of age. Mm. You know, and I, I get the I get the reason for those sure, books, sure, sure. but but for a lot of those people, there's so much more to be lived in their life uh, that I you know I just don't see it. Sometimes I think it's more of a marketing strategy rather than a history uh, uh, reporting or telling effort. And so uh, Tom Madigan, among other people, had been on me for a long time to tell this story. And I'd been working with Tom, and Tom is a noted author, 
wrote the Edelbrock book, wrote the book on Tony Nancy and, and many other books. And I had published two of his books, and I've known Tom for almost 50 years. Uh, he met me when I first started uh, shooting auto races, I mean, way back in the 70s, 60s, actually. And uh, he, we did the Chrisman book, uh, and we did the Fulmer book. And he said, look, we need to do this book on the Justice family history. And I said, okay, all right, you've broken me down. Let's go yeah. ahead and do it. And I can tell you this, it's a lot easier publishing a book about someone else than doing a book on yourself. Absolutely. And it was a, it was a process. It was about five years. Now, understand, that's actually in this uh, project. But prior to that, I had spent years, uh, you know, it says, before we came on here uh, on this recording, uh, one of our friends, Brian Clary, said, hey, I wish you, I bet you wish you had those cameras and a picture I was showing. And, and it's from uh, 72. And I said, I, I do. Uh, I jokingly say that our family must be hoarders because we don't throw much away. Hmm. Uh, but I, you know, over my life being around my dad and my uncle, I was able to acquire some amazing photographs and pieces of paper. One piece of paper is the December 1949 letter from Frank Curtis to my Uncle Zeke when we were living in Florida, pitching him to do the 1950 Indy sponsorship, wow. which we ended up winning. And it was a, it was a seminal point in the uh, success of our family, early success. And so I've got that actual letter, and it's pictured in the book, and it says, you know, the sponsorship deal is going to be 5000 and I know that sounds rather high, but I think the <laughs> result, you know, would be good. And it was high. And, and uh, you know, the, the story is that they went to the – my dad and my uncle went to the company that they were representing the product, and it's all in the book, and they didn't want anything to do with it. So my dad and uncle put together the money, and – Frank threw in a second car with Freddie Agabashian, and, you know, we win the race, and the sales of the product just rocket, because this is, this is prior to the Super Bowl. 1950 Indy was the biggest event around the world, and it was, it was major league. So uh, it's stuff like that that, uh, and there, there's... Wow, look at that. It's water-stained and all yeah. that. So there's a lot of that type of stuff in it. I mean, I've got pictures that, that have never been published before. And as you know, as a writer, you're always looking for those nuggets that nobody's ever seen. Because, you know, like when a Ford GT book comes out, GT40 book comes out, a lot of the photography is the same old stuff. You've seen it many yeah, times. Yeah, right. And, you know, I mean, it's, you've, you've mined it, you've found it. And, you know, nobody's stumbled onto that guy that's never had or guy or gal that's had his their work published. So anyway, it, it was a five year plus project. It's the biggest relief to have it done. Mm. I know you can appreciate that uh, being a content creator. Uh, there's a lot of satisfaction. It turned out to be figuratively 500 pages, which is sort of prophetic because, you know, our family started in participation at Indy. 1946, the first race after the war, my Uncle Zeke was on the winning crew with George Robson. Yeah. He worked for Joel Thorne at the time. And, and last year marked our 73rd race out of the 102. So, Good Lord. Yeah, so they tell me, the guys at the old-timers tell me we have the record. I don't know. But 
so, you know, through all that, we've sponsored A.J. Watson. There's pictures of my dad and uncles with A.J. Watson in the 60s. Uh, Lou Moore, the original Roger Penske of the Speedway back uh, in 53, we took a car to Indy. We got a second in 52 with the Granatelli brothers. I mean, it did. I always jokingly say that my dad and uncles and 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 the family have been like fair, uh, 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 you know, uh, the Tom Hanks, uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah. You know, you know, in the movie, Forrest Gump runs. He's always Just in a historic stumbles place. Stumbles into something somewhere right. great. Yeah. And that's sort of the way these guys. I mean, in 1950, when we won the Indy 500, uh, my dad and uncles were also the only sponsor on Johnny Mance's car when he won the Southern 500. And that was the first 500-mile NASCAR race, the first NASCAR race on pavement. And my dad was 29, and they had won the Southern 500 and the Indy 500. So I always jokingly say, so so now what do I do? Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm 29. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've won the two biggest races in the country. And, and so, you know, I mean, I... As I came along, and, you know, I, look, it, I was blessed to be raised in this family and also lucky that I had a love for this uh, because, I, you know, what if I said, hey, I want to become a doctor. Cars aren't my thing. We know people like that, and there'd be nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I always grasped the opportunity that I was presented with and felt very fortunate to be born into a family like this. And so I looked at boxes that we had never checked. Like I go, wow, you know what? We've never really been to Lamar, and we never really won that. And so with the Peterson White Lightning team a few years back, like 2003, something like, something like that, we won that class at Lamar. So I go, okay, boom, we knocked that one off the list. And, you know, it's been a lot of fun. And because our products are sold globally, you know, it, we can make sense out of doing that stuff. It's just not quote vanity sponsorships sure. it makes business sense you know so the the sports car side as well is something that i appreciate because i know you take great pride in uh being involved in the endurance racing side which is i don't know if that is specifically a chapter that you have authored within the family knowing the great open wheel and indycar background but it seems like that's really a place where you have brought the family name uh, in a very heavy way in recent years. Is that part of the uh, proverbial box ticking that you mentioned? Or yeah, just something it is. More from uh, the heart? They did, they did some uh, limited sports car racing involvement because in the era that my dad and uncle were uh, around for sports car racing, sports car racing was not a sponsor-oriented sport in the early days. Sure. In fact, they very much did not want sponsor decals on the car. It was a rich man's sport back then, and they tended to be a little bit uh, uppity, maybe. And uh, don't put that on my Jaguar, you know, Jaguar. Uh, uh, don't put that on, you know, this or whatever. <coughs> and so for me, one of the first uh, sports car uh, deals, big deals that, that I was involved with was when we had two Can-Am cars with Warren Agor. Uh, who was out of the East Coast. And, uh, in fact, it, it takes me back to my first race here at, at uh, Laguna Seca, and that was 1972, the Can-Am. Mm. And we had the two cars in the race. And, of course, I drove up here. Uh, I, w I had just turned 18. It was my first big road trip. 
and I brought a friend of mine with me and, and the magic of coming here. And yeah, I love road racing. I love it for a lot of reasons. And I love drag racing. I've shot a lot of drag racing. We have a big presence in drag racing. Uh, my dad and uncles were Don Garlitz first paid sponsor. Uh, and, and I've, uh, put together the deal with us with Gary Beck, uh, which we did 20 years with Gary Beck and won all sorts of championships and all that. And now we've almost 20 years with Connie Coletta and his team. And, and so, yeah, I love sports car racing. I, I see the potential of sports car racing. Uh, I love IndyCar. I mean, I love all racing. There's, uh, I don't, you know, I mean, I want that to be known. I love all racing, anything with a motor and wheels, you know, I'm, I'm into. And, uh, and of course, we've been in airplanes and boats and, you know, <laughs> so maybe the wheel deal isn't a total uh, qualifier. But, but anyway, the thing I see about sports car racing is there is the relatability of the fan to the car. Mm. And, and unfortunately, drag racing, I think, is veered off the course a little bit. The funny cars now are, are slab-sided, and they don't look near like they used to. Uh, you know, stock car racing with the car tomorrow, they got off the rails there for a while. They've tried to bring it back on to their credit. And sports car racing, it is a lot more. Uh, I mean, even though the Corvette on the track may be longer, wider, et cetera, it still looks like that Corvette. Yeah, it does. And, and I like that, and I think that that's important because – uh, you know, I mean, I, I drive uh, cars that are on the track, and I like that relatability as a fan, not only as, you know, as a sponsor, you know what I mean? So let's talk a little bit about some of the other elements in the book uh, and maybe any stories that come to mind that you enjoyed telling. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you one interesting one. Okay, so, you know, I, I grew up at the heels of my dad and my uncle. And one time I was at the SEMA show and a guy said to my one daughter as we were going down the aisle and different guys were saying hi to me. And he, he said to my daughter, does your dad know anybody under 80 years of age? <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's because uh, all of my dad and uncle's friends were, were my friends. And I was blessed to know these guys, and at a certain point in my life, I realized these were legends. Roger Ward, Johnny Parsons, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Frank Curtis, I I knew Frank Curtis very well. Um, Gosh, I mean, on and on and on. And and so uh, I knew all these names. Well, all of a sudden through the Internet, and this just shows you the amazing ability, the positive side of the Internet, uh, is this, this lady reached out to our company website and said, I worked for the Justice Brothers in Florida because we spent 10 years down there. That's where I was born. And it's some very historic time for us down there. And is anybody around at the company that would remember any of this time? Mm. So I called her phone number and she had a different last name now. And it turns out this lady, once we talked, I mean, within a minute or two, I knew who she was, and she was the real deal. And she was our first employee. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So we got an interview. Tom uh, Madigan called her, and what this lady was able to uh, offer was, yeah, I, I used to see Bill France come in the office all the time. You know, your dad and uncle sold uh, tickets for Darlington, and it was all on a handshake. And Mr. France would come in and collect the money. And, uh, 
you know, all the drivers would come in and your uncle would go out and get sandwiches and they'd all eat in the back room. And and so, I, you know, uh, Marshall, so many things happened in this journey on this book that were more than just like luck. I mean, it was unbelievable how the stars kept aligning. We, we got a great interview with Bill Pollock, who won the first Grand Prix up here at Pebble Beach when they ran in the forest. And my uncle uh, hot-rodded Bill Pollock's uh, first hot rod. My uncle did some body work on the car for Bill for free when my uncle worked at Joel Thorns, and Bill never forgot that. And he, he actually wrote about it in his book, uh, what, White Sidewall and Red Wheels or whatever. Yeah. And, and so we got a great interview with Bill. Bill's gone. Bunny, Bunny uh, Antonis, who was our first employee, she has since passed since this interview. Mm. We got an interview with a guy by the name of Johnny Thompson, who was a Jacksonville Speedway track champion. He was one of the original NASCAR drivers. We sponsored him. And he... he, he got in touch with us because my dad and uncles were being inducted in the Jacksonville Stock Car Hall of Fame. And to show you how important that Jacksonville track was, and, and my family uh, located in Jacksonville just because it was what they felt central to Georgia and Florida because we had that as our territory. Sure. Uh, it was the <clears throat> last track that NASCAR ran on for the championship mm. uh, at the end of the year is what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Okay. And it was also, Eddie Bland, the promoter, was the third man down on the list when NASCAR was formed because Bill France wanted to control that track. You know, he wanted to have certain tracks under his control in order to make the viability. And so Jacksonville was a very, very important track. And so, uh, you know, just all sorts of stuff. Uh, I mean, a couple of other interesting stories. My uncle bought a two-man Indy car from Frank Curtis when the war broke out. My dad was the only one of the three brothers that was able to serve in the military. And when my dad was over, it just gets me off on a tangent a little bit. His bunkmate in Europe was a guy by the name of Les Ritchie, who was a legendary guy in Ford total performance in the 60s and 70s he built the afx cars for he and gas ronda oh, wow. he ended up getting killed in one he built motors for parnelli in the early ford program uh and they were bunk mates in the eighth air force Good had Lord. no idea where they were going to go and so uh anyway but uh at jacksonville speedway one of the things that we we did was uh they they sponsored a guy by the name of floyd md who is an early early motorcycle champ uh, and they were the only sponsor on Floyd's Indian. Mm. And Floyd went on to win the Daytona 200, the motorcycle race on the beach. And at, uh, it was the last Indian motorcycle to run on the uh, beach. And my dad had a bunch of snapshots uh, of the motorcycles on the beach that I, I sent to Tom. And I said, look at this. And he goes... This is unbelievable gold. <laughs> the, the 1949 race had a field of 155 competitors uh, that were in the total race. 45 would finish, two fatalities, 30 injuries. Jesus. And that is from, I did a lot of research, that is from the Life Magazine article on this race, okay? And, and the Life Magazine article comically uh, they spend a lot of, of uh, ink on it. And here's a quote. Uh, it was 48. It was 48 race, not 49. Here's what they said. 
They said for four days last month, the resort city of Daytona Beach could hardly have been noisier or in more danger if it had been under bombardment. That's from Life Magazine, all right? <laughs> so anyway, but my uncle, back on that, that IndyCar, he bought a two-man IndyCar when the war broke out, and he converted it to the street, drove it from California to Kansas to be an oiler on uh, this pipeline called the Big Inch, which I knew nothing about, but I knew about the Big Inch, and I did research. It was the main pipeline that was coming out of Texas, Oklahoma, going to the East Coast for the war effort. Okay, there was the Big Inch and the Little Inch. And my uncle got a job oiling the pump houses, and he'd drive this two-man IndyCar. Well, we didn't know much about this IndyCar, well, through a long process and, and making a lot of friends along the way, come to find out it was one of the two last Miller race cars built. You're kidding. Four-wheel drive, 308 cubic inch V8 Miller. V8 Miller, okay. Miller, uh, it was car was built in 32, and Gus Schrader qualified the car for his only race. You know, he was a famous sprint car driver from that era. For his only race at Indianapolis, the car was running well. How the car came about, FWD, four-wheel drive corporation, contracted with Harry Miller to build a four-wheel drive IndyCar. So he did that for him, and in the process, he said to FWD, do you mind if I make one for me, too, and it'll be a house car? And they said, fine. So that car, uh, Miller goes bankrupt in 33. They, they, uh, the car goes to Europe. It's, it's sold an auction. It runs in front of Hitler, runs in front of Mussolini, uh, and, and eventually comes back. It runs in about five Indy 500s. And then my uncle buys it, and then you, know, you can read the book to find out the rest of the story. But we solved that a lot of insane. and it's and I had it totally every single fact. Look, at I don't, uh, you know, I always jokingly uh, said to Dan Gurney, and Dan and Parnelli wrote the forward for the book. I'm very honored to have them. I always used to say to Dan, you know, Dan, the last man alive writes the history, and mm-hmm. if you don't get it. What that means is the last guy can write anything he wants because nobody's around to dispute it. And unfortunately, that's not good. And, and so I say that jokingly because I'm not a fan of these books that come out that are inaccurate. Because once it goes into print, then they're used for research and these, these untruths get propagated and become all of a sudden true. And, and so I'm a stickler to have things accurate. And, and this book really was somewhat of an out, outgrowth of a story that was written on me. And some guy wrote into the magazine and said uh, that a lot of what I said was not true. And so the magazine, of course, their friends like you and I are, they said, hey, Ed, look, here's what we got. How do you, what do you say about this? And I sent them a barrage of paper. Uh, not generated by me. This is all just outside third-party paper. And I said, if you want more, and they go, no, no, we get it. Okay, yeah, the guy's, you know, he's on taking drugs or whatever. And, and, and that was one of the things between Tom that I said, you know what, we need to get the truth out there. We need to get this documented. So when, Mr. Justice... Well, it, it's going to get their hands. Yeah, it's going to be coming out of history from what I uh, from best that I can tell on the schedule right now, the middle of the November of uh, 2018. And the book will be available on Amazon. 
uh, as the Fulmer book uh, and Chrisman book were. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's the easiest place to go, just Amazon.com. The title of the book is Legacy of Justice, An American Family Story, if you just put in Legacy of Justice. And, uh, again, it's 496 pages because the book are printed in these what they call signatures, uh, the groups of pages, and they're 16-page signatures. And that's as close as we could get to 500 pages. Mm. But, but this book was done the same way the Fulmer and the, the Chrisman book were. I don't publish books based on a number of page count or whatever. Uh, we, we do what it takes to do the book right and how, whatever it turns out. You know, and, and Tom is a writer, and you know. Uh, we do two-page spread photos, single-page spread photos. The book is written for people like us, like me, that like big pictures, you know, you know, want it to be easy to read. Yes, right, exactly. It's not done based on a budget, which unfortunately a lot of books are. You know, I mean, that's the reality. But I, I'm, I'm not a formal, I'm not a normal publishing company. So you know, I don't have rules. We don't. We're not breaking any rules because we don't have any. Amen. Yeah. Ed, thanks so much for sitting down. I can't wait to uh, can't wait to buy it. And as I remind folks we've spoken with a a few good folks like yourself who have uh, published books these are not paid interviews this is just my own sickness because my bookshelves are filled with hundreds of motor racing books and i just love sharing the fact that we have more good offerings coming out so thank you again for sitting down with us sir well thank you marshall and I, i share that same sickness by the way and that was ed justice jr two of us together in monterey my little sniffly self. I don't remember what it was that I had. Again, hopefully you enjoyed the conversation here. The book, which we discussed, Legacy of Justice, an American Family Story. You can find that on Amazon.com, many other places. If there's a local bookseller, hopefully that's something you might be able to pick up there or order through them because, you know, small businesses, heck, like the Justice Brothers, like my own. Hopefully these are little things that you enjoy supporting. All right. I am Marshall Pruitt. This is the Marshall Pruitt Podcast brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. Thank you for listening.